Hey, this is your host, Paul Espinosa Jr., and I'm here to remind you that if you have access to iTunes, we ask that you rate and review the show. That way, we'll be able to climb the charts and continue to deliver bigger and better guests so that we can continue the educated hustle journey. And now, let's start the show. Welcome to the Educated Hustle Podcast. This is your host, Paul Espinosa Jr. and my co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, man? It's going good. What's going good, man? Back at it. Back at it with another heater of an episode for the people. Yes, sir. And I mean, you know, we're coming back off our 100th episode. So shout out to that. Shout out to all the people that reached out and uh, retweeted us and gave us some love and feedback and encouragement. So that always means a lot when, when you uh, got people that still rock with you from day one. Exactly. There was a lot of love. It was overwhelming. You know, we had a lot of people coming here. Congratulations. Said to look up to us. Said trying to be like us. And it's very all humbling because, you know, when we sort of started this whole thing, we never thought we would be in that seat, that position to where people who are also young in the podcast game are saying, yo, we trying to get like you guys. So it means a lot to us. The 100 episode was an amazing, amazing week. Like I said, all the retweets, all the love. It was it was overwhelming, but we were glad. And, you know, we're we're officially officially kicking off the road to 200 you know we already gonna be about a 102 win with this one in the night so you know we're going off to a strong side yes sir and uh you know we gotta kick it off with our original content so we got a couple articles for you guys this week the first one is regarding disney and espn um espn um as probably you know is a branch of disney corporation and they just launched their ESPN Plus streaming service, which is um, available for people who want to consume ESPN original content. Um, the service is going to cost $4.99 a month or uh, $49.99 a year. Uh, basically, what it has so far is just, you know, the 30 for 30s. Uh, Kobe Bryant is launching one of his original shows on there as well. Um and I think they're, you know, they don't have any of the mainstream games on there so far. So there's still um, ways to go, I think, as far as people actually investing into this um, service. So I definitely want to get your take on that, Emilio. It's a no for me, dog. Uh, yeah. Pretty much like, you know, people, ESPN and, and, and all those and these corporations, they know what people want. They know what people want. And I think it's whack that you have this streaming service that you have to pay five or four four ninety nine for and then to even watch any games or anything you have to log in with your cable subscription uh code so it's like you know everyone's getting rid of cable no one's gonna have that subscription code so why would i even pay this 499 just to see some stuff that i could probably see on youtube or some other sources for free it's gonna be a, a move that you know it makes no sense to me they're gonna have to evolve it, bring the, bring that original TV content on there some way, some form, because the content that's on there now, I mean, no enticement. You know, Paul, it's well noted that I'm not a big ESPN fan, but you know what I like? I like the NFL. I like the drive atmosphere, and unfortunately, you only got ESPN and NFL Network. So when when they announced the streaming service, I was a little bit excited, like you know what? I might get it for a month or so and see what's good. And then when I found out that you can't even log in to watch like content you really trying to see immediately became whack to me. So, you know, hopefully who's ever in charge of it, you know, they make the right move and get people stuff they want. But until then, I don't think this app's going to do that well. And I look forward to them low reviews on the store when it's out. 
Yeah, I definitely agree, man. I think um, ESPN had an opportunity to kind of uh, cap capitalize on the fact that it still has what people want to see live, which is the games, the drafts, the people that you know like to consume content live. There's very few things nowadays that people care to con- um, consume live, and ESPN um, fortunately has the ability to have live events and that people want to see and to the fact that they can't branch off with the cable, uh, the cable cutters, uh, it's, it's kind of a letdown. So ESPN, hopefully they start to move in the right direction, branching off from the cable companies and hopefully putting their live games in the, in the live, in the streaming service that they offer now. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you look at the Netflix, it's the Hulu's, the, 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 the WWE networks, the Sling TVs, like they all had a stronger package. Like I think ESPN, if y'all were to just come out and charge ten dollars but give people access to everything, y'all be doing fine because you have ten dollars worth of content that you could justify it in a month. So I mean, look, like I said, I ain't on the payroll, but if you were to do that idea, you know, you could ship the check to a to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel you, man. So we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that, see where it goes, see what they change, and uh, if they make any big adjustments, you'll hear it here first. But um, so moving on to the next topic, um, Uber is gonna move beyond just ride sharing. Um, basically, what Uber wants to do is become a bigger player in the transportation industry. So um, they want to have new services that have the ability to buy public transportation tickets, rent rent cars and rent bikes. Um, so they're going to launch their car rental service uh, called Uber Rent in uh, San Francisco later this month. And then also other markets are going to include Boston, New Jersey, Portland, and Washington, D.C. to follow. So um, it's a pretty exciting announcement for Uber. I know they were in the news for some um, privacy issues and a whole lot of scandals going on in their leadership. But, you know, Uber's still pretty huge in the ride-sharing game. And um, in order to, you know, make that big leap in the transportation game, they're going to have to expand and uh, include some other features. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what this Uber rent looks like. Yeah, good for Uber, man. I mean, there's, like you said, so much controversy. At least they're trying to move forward and trying to take a bigger stake. Obviously, there's so much competition in, in the transportation world from Lyft and, you know, from taxis and all that. Like, they're trying to really solidify and do something to evolve. And that's what the best companies do. They evolve. Obviously, they've had branches out such as Uber Eats. And, you know, I think they said some other little thing that I can't recall right at this moment. But it's great to know that they're still trying to think and be innovative and, and try to stay in front of the current climate. You know, you see that with all the companies that are doing well from facebook airbnb you know uh, amazon like they're all trying to branch out and do things that when they first started i'm sure it wasn't in their scope but now that they've got to the plateau of success they're at they realize let's kind of go out that vision in order to be here for the longevity yes sir so i definitely think yeah i agree with you man uber's uh, moving in the right direction and getting the leap on expanding its business and hopefully um, that'll lead to some increased profits and um, make the company a little bit stronger. So uh, definitely, definitely some good articles to, to get into this week. And also, we have a great guest that we're bringing on this week as well, uh, Mr. Mike De Los Santos. He's the founder of Mike D's Barbecue. 
And basically, he started his company by making barbecue sauce. And you would think that's pretty easy from just, you know, you make sauce and then you sell it to the people. But Mike's going to drop some knowledge today about the different hurdles that you have to go over to make his product get on the shelves. Yeah, and there was a lot of hurdles and a lot of things that kind of go into starting up your own business that, you know, we we always like kind of glance over, don't think about as much. And Mike really went through it. And, you know, his first year, it was definitely an interesting year and an interesting time. I think the cool thing about Mike is he's also a fan of the show. So the minute that he got on, we got into the booth together. It was all love, a lot of uh, a lot of talking about, you know, business ideas and reminiscing. You know, Mike, we, we still waiting for the educator hustle sauce crossover. Trust me, I got my I got my barbecue hat. I got a little pantry room space. Just let me know. Let me know when the shipment coming. But, yeah, Mike's a great guy. And I think that I have all success he's had when his team is really kind of just himself and some a few you know friends and family members it really shows his dedication you know the guy's got a world-class title he's got some sauce that is award-winning like he's out there doing it being that entrepreneur and the cool thing about him he's very humble about it you can tell that he's willing to give advice and help out people that need it so you're really gonna get a heartfelt genuine conversation but like everyone else we bring on we really feel like it's important for you to listen to him because the gems they will be a dropping I agree, man. And I think he's shipped his sauce in over 30 states. I mean, that's pretty good. He comes from Carolina where barbecue is a huge competition. He's going to explain the differences between the two different um, types of barbecue sauces. Um, You're going to get into learning about rubs and dry rubs and all these different things that will make your mouth water uh, when you you hear the interview. So um, uh, definitely take a lot of gems from it. It's uh, even if you're not a chef but you're interested in in business, he's going to definitely explain the different routes and avenues that he had to do to expand his business, whether it be sponsorships or uh, getting into retailers. It can definitely be some, like you said, uh, a treasure trove of gems uh, coming from this interview. Exactly, exactly. But we're not going to chop it up for too long. We know you guys want to see Mike whip it up in the kitchen. So we're going to give you Mike right after this short commercial break. All right, we have today's guest, Mike De Los Santos, founder of Mike D's Barbecue. Mike, how's it going today, man? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. We just want to jump right into it and ask, how did you get started and and create the sauce that became Mike D's Barbecue? Yeah, so for a while, I've been a barbecue junkie for most of my life. Uh, Growing up in Richmond, Virginia, where there's not a lot of barbecue, we used to drive down into North Carolina to, to Roanoke Rapids to a place called Ralph's Barbecue. And that's where I fell in love with North Carolina-style barbecue. Um, and after that, I've always, as I got older, just started experimenting, make my own sauces. And I always had large cookouts and stuff in my house. And I would just make up various recipes for folks to try out as I was cooking them meats and stuff. Um, and then... I had a blog where I was reviewing restaurants that I would visit as I would travel around, barbecue joints, and it turned into rest uh, barbecue sauce companies sending me sauces to review. Uh, so I had like a cabinet full of barbecue sauce from random places, writing reviews for them. And, you know, there were some that were just, that were excellent. There were some that just weren't good at all. And I had people for a while telling me like, you should be doing this as a business. Like your sauces are better than other sauces we've tried. Uh, and you know, I was like, well, I've got this cabinet of sauces. A lot of them don't taste good. If these can be companies, then I can be a company with sauce that people actually like. So, uh, after a while of sort of 
being hesitant about going into business. The, there were some things that happened in life that sort of pushed me to say, you know what, I should do it now. And I just took all the years of me crafting, testing out various recipes on people to come up with the ones that folks like the most and uh, start the company. And that, that's incredible. Like you, you basically turn your sauce into money. I think a lot of people would love to be able to do that. So I think the cool thing about you starting your company is a lot of people, whenever they, you know, envision trying to actually turn the profit, what their vision is, they kind of get stuck with all the hurdles that come up. So in 2014, you actually had your first full business year. Could you tell us like what hurdles came up that you weren't anticipating? Yeah, so the hurdles came like right at the beginning of the year. So uh, to launch a food product, is, it varies by the state. But here in North Carolina, you have to um, first get your stuff tested at these labs at NC State. They can test the uh, like if your sauce is acidified or it's an acid food, and they can give you like your labels and all that stuff. And depending on what it take, what it tests as acidified or acid food depends on how it has to be bottled uh, and um, the acidified foods take a longer bottling process because it's um, more likely that bacteria can develop in it. And so to get it shelf stable, there's lots of uh, very um, detailed stuff that you have to follow to get it bottled. And to do that, if you're going to do it. So when I started the business, I was like, I'm just going to produce these, you know, in my home kitchen that had gotten certified by the Department of Agriculture as a certified kitchen to produce products in. Uh, but to do an acidified food, you have to get an extra certification to do that. And the problem is they don't have a set schedule for when they're going to do these certifications. And when I reached out, they said, oh, we just had one last week and we don't know when the next one's going to be. Um, so uh, then it just sort of left me like I'm sort of in this spot where I either going to just hold or I need to adjust. Uh, and my adjustment was to figure out a co-packer somebody who can take my recipe uh with my base recipe made like one 16 ounce bottle of sauce and then work with their food scientists to scale it up to larger production and then they do the production runs for me they do all the testing uh they do the reports for the fda they uh, do all that stuff that i would have had to do with that certification uh and so then i started trying to find companies to do that and i found one but that's still a longer process of sort of testing and getting them to get the scaled up recipe to taste correctly because you don't want it to scale up and then not have the same flavor profile. Uh, the other holdup was I still needed to be able to produce the dry rubs or seasoning mixes in my home kitchen. Uh, and to get that certification, you have to, uh, the Department of Agriculture sends out inspectors to come and you know, inspect your kitchen and inspect your whole house to make sure that it's up to the cleanliness standards. And there was only two people responsible for the whole state that did these inspections, and they both only worked part-time. So you had each part-time worker responsible for 50 counties. And so the scheduling for that was just crazy. So there was like, well, I wasn't scheduled to be seen until much later in 2014. And it just so happened that somebody who was in my area, I had to cancel and so the inspector said, hey, I have a cancellation next week. Can I come and do your inspection next week or do you just want to hold and wait till your actual scheduled date? Uh, and I was like, that's a no brainer. You come next week. I'm like, I'm not going to keep waiting. And so we're able to start selling the dry rubs in March of 2014. And the sauce part played out a lot longer. So but we we're still able to start selling those in, in July. So our first full year of business, 
my my core product of sauces, I wasn't even to start selling it until the very end of July. So that was a big hurdle to overcome between that and uh, waiting for the inspectors to come through to inspect the house. Dang, man. Yeah, that, that sounds like, you know, you do all the right things and then it's in somebody else's who works part time, their hands to get your product ready to go. So that's that's great that you were able to, you know, hold off that time and still be able to sustain your business. And um, that kind of leads me to my next question about, you know, you, the over the last four years, you know, you said that your business has um, grown in sales exponentially. Um, how were you able to achieve that success? Uh, just about like putting yourself out there. Um, like the first year, I just really just did word of mouth and online sales. And while word of mouth is a great way to sell products, um, there's still only limits to how like how far you're actually going to be able to reach. Uh, and so, you know, while we met our sales goal the first year, even though we were only able to sell products for parts of the year, uh, you know, we was, it was great that we were able to do that. We had a lot of support from friends and family to help meet that first year sales goal. But heading into the to year two, I knew I had to start doing other things. And I started setting up at farmers markets and other festivals and markets, just small time ones um, initially. And then as I got comfortable doing that each year, I've sort of scaled up in the types of markets I do. So I started doing much bigger festivals and markets uh, in the next year. And then finally last year, I started to really go and do large shows where there's, you know, 15, 20,000 people coming. And that's really helped push uh, the sales through the roof. We've averaged about 102% sales growth each year of the company. And so it's mainly began because of being able to step out and do these much larger shows uh, while mixing in, trying to get into some retail stores um, and you know, continue to work on our SEO and all that stuff to drive traffic to the website. It's sort of like trying to Pay attention to each segment where you can get sales and trying to see how far you can push it to to, to grow those areas. Yeah, and it's, it's great that you mentioned how you're stepping into these bigger events and bigger people because, you know, 2017 was a good year for you. And one of the things that came with 2017 is in the all-purpose category, you actually won the Dry Rub slash Foul World Hot Sauce Award. Could you kind of, like, describe what this film of accomplishment like describe film of accomplishment and like what hard work was put in by your team. Yeah. So first, like uh, nobody can take away being a world champion. Like I'm a world champion. I've got a world champion banner hanging in my house. Uh, I can always say I'm a world champion and nobody can ever tell me I'm not. And so that's probably like the biggest accomplishment because you I've won awards for very like it was a big year for lots of awards for our products last year. But the all purpose rub winning as a world champion in the dry rub foul, you know, category, it's like sort of the culmination of all these products winning awards. And so you win awards on a local level, you win some awards on a state level, and then all of a sudden you win on a world on the, on, on, on the, on the world stage. And it just, it's a whole level of like validation for you. Cause like everybody's got sauces in the South, everybody's got rubs in the South and everybody thinks theirs is the best, but there's only a certain number that can say they're a world champion. And, so that level of satisfaction, knowing that like my product's a world champion, it's recognized for its greatness, uh, is like there's no greater feeling than that. I feel like we're talking to the Michael Jordan of dry rubs, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's good, man. I'm um I'm, I'm glad you're getting recognized, and you know even before last year, you know, was there a time where you um got that first 
uh, okay from someone or got recognized by the media uh, to, to keep you going? Yeah, so you know, media can be defined in many ways, especially in this era of the, the fake news era. But uh, the first real media bite happened in uh, 2015 when uh, this company, this this small business lending company called Lindio, was doing some outreach, and they were doing uh, some features called the Faces of Main Street and trying to uplift small businesses. And I. They reached out to me and wanted to feature me, and so one of their um, one of their articles they featured featured me and the company and sort of our start, uh, and that was sort of our real first piece of getting some recognition and of the company from somebody who I didn't know. Uh, and then you know we've had some other media successes after that, where you know Home Business Magazine, which is like a online news site for home businesses, did a feature on. The business and our growth and some of the stuff that we do to, to promote and raise money for nonprofits doing great work in the community as well and so but that first one with the faces of main street uh, was really the first first time somebody who i didn't know and wasn't connected to reached out reached out and wanted to uplift the the company yeah and i mean that's a lot of stuff too that that, that goes into it that you know you're not really thinking of as just like on the other side of things but i want to give you you know some some admiration, some confidence here. Uh, on your Instagram, you kind of sneak peek that you you kind of dealing with some buyers that aren't exactly uh, U.S. U.S. centric or U.S. based. You know, you recently had a meeting with international buyers. Could you kind of tell us like what are the preparations you have to make when you're dealing with international buyers? Yeah, for one, it's you know you get a so I was doing it as part of an inbound trade mission organized through the Department of Agriculture here. And they gave us a list of buyers beforehand, so we knew which countries were coming. And so then you got to start doing some research into which of these companies is realistically going to be interested in my product and start trying to do some digging into, like, who they are. Uh, do people like barbecue in those countries? Is it something they're going to be really interested in? And then you can start to – once you figure that out, then you start trying to figure out where – you know, for them to get the, the product to their country, where are they going to have to ship it from? Because then you have to start trying to coordinate – uh, I mean, one of the good things about dealing with uh, exporting internationally is like the buyers cover the costs of most things in addition to buying the product, but they're going to want some help with coordinating how it's going to get from your warehouse to uh, to their port where their consolidator is to consolidate it into the shipping container. And so trying to get a heads up for figuring out where some of these ports are, uh, and then you can start trying to work with your, your freight shipper to determine what, you know, based on estimates of estimates of case sizes and pallet sizes like what's the additional cost to get it from my warehouse in lewisburg north carolina say to the port in miami and you can adjust your prices for that because when you sit down with them that's what they're going to know it's like this is my price buying it from you here what's my price if i needed to get it from miami to where i'm at uh, and so figuring that stuff out but and then, they're, but they're flexible on that part. So the main thing was just trying to identify which countries are going to be interested in your product. And so, like, luckily one of the buyers was from Australia, and American style barbecue has really taken off in Australia, where they now have their own barbecue competition and governing governing body, similar to the Kansas City Barbecue Society that we have here. And they've got barbecue competitions and all that stuff. And I've interacted with competition teams that are in Australia, and so I knew. Like that's one of the places I wanted to target to have a good meeting with because I knew like that product is my product is something that people over there are going to be interested in. 
Nice, man. Well, hopefully, you know, your product's going to be global, man, one of these days, because it sounds like you you definitely are, are onto something with the sauce. And um, I noticed on your website that you were into a few retailers, and mainly in the North Carolina state. Um, could you kind of describe the process of how to get your product into a, a retailer? Yeah, so it's really twofold. It matters um, which kind of store you're trying to get into. So we're in nine stores and most of them are small independent stores and so those it's a different process to get into those those it's much more direct you're walking in talking to the owner or the general manager and saying i'm i see you carry lots of local products you carry out the products that aren't sort of commercially grade products um would you be interested in carrying mine i brought some samples with me here's my price list and go on from there. And sometimes they'll taste it right there on the spot and be like, oh, we got to have this in our store. Other times they'll say, hey, leave this and we'll get back to you in a couple of days. Uh, and so it's more, it's much more direct because you're dealing directly with the decision maker. Um, when trying to get into larger retailer stores, which we've only been in, gotten into one of the larger stores to this point, but we're working on some others. It's a little different because oftentimes the general manager of an individual store it's not the final decision maker. They have to go up through corporate. They have to talk to the buyers at corporate about that. And so it's a bit longer of a process. Um, it can take, you know, once a general manager is interested, they can reach out to their buyer. Their buyer is going to want to know there's a ton of paper you got to fill out, ton of insurance stuff you got to fill out, tons of like certification stuff you got to prove that you have. You know, you got to prove like how many people are interested in your product. You got to prove lots of stuff. And then it's a determination of, do they want to buy directly from you? Do they want you to go through a distributor, which, you know, as a business, distributors are important, but it's also another hand that sort of cuts in on the profit. And so you would rather a store say, let's deal directly with you. But often for logistic purposes, they'd rather go through a distributor. So then if you're not with a distributor, the store is going to say, oh, well, maybe when you get with a distributor, we'll talk again. And so then you got to find a distributor. And so for most of it, we focus mainly on small independent stores because it's a much more direct process. But uh, to get to scale, we're going to have to start working with distributors and trying to do more to cater to what these larger stores want in order to get through their lengthy process to finally get on their shelves. You see, Mike, it sounds like it'd just be a whole lot easier if you just get your little cardboard stand and pop it outside the store. But, you know, <laughs> maybe that's why you're in a position and I'm not. But um. One thing I want to definitely ask you is you're an authorized dealer of Man Law products. In particular, you have a grill set called Man Law. Could you kind of tell us what was the inspiration behind the Man Law name and what can customers expect when they try that grill set out? Yeah, so Man Law is a company that's based in Las Vegas. And so they're kind of playing on the whole like man, fire, food, good. Uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, their products, they all, they're, they're high quality products. Um, and uh, each package sort of on the back lists out like a series of man laws that apply to the grill that, you know, like must have beer and stuff like that. Just little quirks that sort of play on this whole man and fire and food stuff. And so they have these man laws. And so they just call them, man, you know, the company's man law. Each of the sets are called, you know, have man law in the name, but they're really a high um, quality product so I, I they're my favorite sets which is why when i wanted to expand my product line i wanted to reach out to them to be an authorized dealer because i felt 
you know, some of the products that you can get at like your big box stores who sell grill tools, um, they're, you know, not high quality. Like they, they feel cheap. They're light. When you sort of use them a lot, they break or they rust quickly. And what I found when using Manlaw that I had came across a few years ago at a store is that, you know, it's a, it's a higher quality product. It doesn't have those same durability issues and uh, it can, it can take lots of work. And I put my stuff through lots of work, particularly in the summertime. So I needed a high quality product and I figure if it's good enough for me, then, you know, being able to extend that to my customers is another added value. That's that's really good, man. And, um, you know, definitely having the presence um, with another strong brand is key. Um, I, I kind of wanted to ask you a question regarding just barbecue in general. So, like, when I'm going to different barbecue restaurants, you know, they have sauces based on the region that they're from. So, like, you know, North Carolina, Kansas, Memphis are all kind of names that come off the top of my head. Can you kind of explain to the listeners who maybe don't know about barbecue, what's the difference uh, between the sauces by region? Yeah, so every, every region has their their particular style, as you mentioned, and there's even like styles within a region. And so it's really just about uh, the sweetness, how much vinegar is used, how thick it is, if it's tomato-based or not. So... Uh, you know, Memphis and Kansas City barbecues are typically thicker. They're tomato. There's not much, if any, vinegar sauce in it. Uh, then it just matters like spice and sweetness. Um, in North Carolina, it's actually two styles. So like the eastern part of the state uses a, a heavy vinegar sauce, which is just apple cider vinegar, brown sugar, and various spices. Uh, and then sort of the western part of the state uses a more tomato-based flavor, uh, where it's, you know, much, it's, it's not as thick as Kansas City or or Memphis style, but it's it's thicker than the vinegar-based sauces because uh, it's 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 still focused mainly on tomato with uh, some brown sugar and spices and uh, stuff like that. So that it's really that's really what separates the sauces by region is like sweetness, uh, consistency, whether it's tomato or vinegar-based, and whether you use like brown sugar or molasses for your sweetener. Uh, and it's like my products try to like bridge. North Carolina together, where Mars are like a, are a hybrid tomato vinegar sauce. So the base is an even base between tomato and vinegar. And so you, what you get is a sauce that's not as thin and runny as the pure vinegar sauces, not as thick as a pure tomato-based sauces, but it's sort of like a happy middle ground where you can use it as a dipping sauce, as a marinade. It makes it just makes it a much more versatile sauce. So I've tried to like bridge the, the gap in North Carolina to make everybody happy. And that's crazy. You wouldn't imagine that in the sauce game, there's an east side, west side thing going on. So I'm um, <laughs> able to break it down for us. Um, behind every great product, you have a great team. Could you kind of describe your team and what they mean to you? Yeah, so team for me is much more broadly than what folks might think about when they think team for a business. Uh, because technically, I am the only employee of Mike D's Barbecue. Uh, and so... Uh, but there's still a team effort. Like my family is very supportive. My wife will come and work events with me. My 14 year old daughter will travel and do events with me as she wants to learn the business. Uh, I have a team of uh, some some friends and family who are investors to help get me started. Who they will travel and work shows with me. They I can run questions by them. They can give me advice on sort of some feedback on some things I'm thinking about. I update my business plan every year and they review it and look over it because, you know, they have a 
they're invested in the company. They put money in. They want to see a return, so they're going to do that. So it's it's been great to have. Like they're all uh, super involved uh, between the investors and my family. That makes it. Uh, I feel like feel like a great team of people. Even though it's not a team of staff folks, it's a team of folks who are committed to the brand, committed to the company, and uh, help me in various ways. Okay, definitely, definitely good to have a good team behind your back, even if they are. Um, you know, just supported and not really officially under your payroll. Um, I, I definitely wanted to know, you know, Mike, your barbecue sauce has definitely taken off. And uh, we definitely want to know what are the plans for the future? We discussed, you know, international. We just get into retailers. But, you know, at the end of 2018, when it's all said and done, uh, what do you want, where do you see Mike D's barbecue sauce going? Yeah, so one one goal is that I need I want to be able to have said at the end of the year that I've shipped to all 50 states, and so so far I've shipped to 35 of the 50 states, and I want to get I want to get those last 15 in during 2018, and so uh, and so then it's also just about building the brand more, like you know, continue to grow my social media presence, continue to grow the brand, and ways I'm doing that is uh, doing some NASCAR stuff because NASCAR folks. They spend money for folks who support their drivers. And so uh, we did some small NASCAR sponsorships last year for a driver in the Xfinity series. And we're stepping that up this year, doing three races. And one of which where we will be the primary sponsor on the hood of the car for a night race in Richmond. So that's, that's helping to sort of grow the brand and brand awareness. And then we're also getting into sponsoring barbecue competition teams because like they're great brand ambassadors if they use it and they're doing well in competitions they sort of spread the word and start getting your products out in other places around the country and so we've sponsored a team that's based in colorado called crazy's barbecue crazy ease barbecue and they kicked off their season uh this past weekend and in a, at a competition in Utah and using my products, they finished second in the port category. And so they're able to like fly my flags and banners at their competitions and help spread the brand. And so trying to step out to, to find ways to reach places that I can't get to from North Carolina to help sort of spread, help me get those last 15 states in to, you know, help me, you know, get some more brand awareness to get more companies involved and to, you know, step up my international shipping game, whether it's through exporting or through just, individual buyers where we've been lucky to ship to several countries just from buyers just finding us online and ordering from us and so i uh, just keep pushing that but we want to have another year of 100 sales growth this year um and and get to all those 50 states and so that's where i want to be at the end of 2018 which then positions us to the next phase of growth where i want to open my own brick and mortar that's all things barbecue uh not just sauces and rubs but you know grills and grill tools and, and the woods and the charcoal so people can come in to me to talk barbecue and not have to go to the big box stores where the people in the barbecue section don't really know what barbecue they don't, they don't know enough about barbecue to be telling you the right stuff and so just want to continue that and i feel like if we can do all these things of growing the brand and these brand ambassadors and all that stuff and reaching all the states it puts us in a spot where we can start to do that next phase of growth for the business heading into 2019. 
And to me, that sounds like big business, which equals big money. So I mean, I, <laughs> you, you, you definitely have the full educate of support and getting those endeavors off the ground. And we really, really hope to see you do it that way when you can come back on, you know. It, it, hopefully, you, you, you'll be able to talk to us still. You know, we don't got to go for the secretary or the, or, the, or, the, or the cousin of another cousin. You know, hopefully, we don't got to pass notes so we can get to you direct. But no, that, that sounds great. That sounds incredible, Mike. We really do hope to see you flourish that way. Um. We've sadly reached what is famous around these parts as the Educate Us of Two Peach, which is the last two questions. Um, the first one is always easy. Could you tell the people how they can connect with you, Mike? Yeah, the quickest way to get me is email Mike at MikeD'sBarbecue.com. That's uh, M-I-K-E-D-S-B-B-Q.com. Uh, and I'm active on social media, so you can always reach me. You can find me on all the platforms at Mike D's Barbecue. It's the same across the board. M-I-K-E-D-S-B-B-Q. And as you know, at Educator Hustle, we love options. And Mike just gave you some options, so please reach out. And now, the last question, no pressure. Just, you know, the last thing that our audience is going to hear from you from this episode. But can you leave us with some parting words of wisdom? Yeah, just if you're starting a new hustle, a new business, or something that you're passionate about, like, Stay true to your guns, like stay true to like what what your passion is, because folks are always going to come and try to change it and say you need to do this or you, you need to adjust your pricing for this. You need to do that. But like it's your it's your thing. Nobody knows it better than you. So like stick to it and make sure that you've got the right voices around you that are going to support what you want to do. Give you some you know good critical advice, but not try to tell you that you got to change everything to fit a certain thing because you know nobody knows what your passion is better than you so you know stick to stick to your guns mike just dropped a million dollar advice for free y'all you better write it in your notebook scratch it underline it bold or whatever you gotta do to remember it mike we appreciate you coming on to the show today you've been a blessing we really do enjoy the perspective you bought on you definitely give an insight of not only the barbecue game, but just the life game and also game. So we really do appreciate you coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it and appreciate everything y'all are doing with the show. And there you have it, folks. That was Mike D and his barbecue sauce, giving something for our listeners to taste and try. Emilio, what you think, man? You know, Mike came through and gave us that finger licking good interview, bro. I, I, I still feel I still feel trapped in the sauce because the interview with all, all that all that knowledge he was dropping, and of course all of the hustle he was giving out as well. I think the cool thing about Mike is like he he's self made. Like he went off his family to friends. He's the only member of his team really, and he's making it happen. I mean, you already heard over a hundred percent growth each year. That's incredible. I think those numbers for any business. You just look with your eyes like, whoa, like he's on to something, especially in this day and age where, you know, everyone gets stuff online and, you know, nobody's really buying stuff like physically for him to be able to put a sauce out there that's making such a wave. That's such a testament to him. It's really a testament to like his brand because it's not easy to make it in that sauce world because as we said, there's a lot of sauces. There's a lot of gyros, but yet that man is steadily rising to the top. I agree, man. Yeah, I was thoroughly educated by all the different gems he was dropping when it comes to getting into retailers, talking to international buyers, uh, getting into sponsoring NASCAR and and, uh, other barbecue competitions. I mean, you know, you take a concept this simple, which is making a sauce, uh, and then you 
add to all the different aspects of business. I mean, you know, that just kind of makes it fun. And for all our listeners who are either entrepreneurs or are interested in business, you got to talk to people like Mike, you know, and all the different guests that we bring on, because even though they have different likes and different um, hustles, it all is it all ends up to be business at the end of the day. And uh, it's super exciting to see what he's going to do for the future. Yeah. And if you need referrals, hit us up. And if you're wondering how, I'm about to tell you, because we just reached the favorite part <laughs> of the Educate Us experience. How you, yes, you can reach us. Educate Us reach you a variety of different means on social media. We are on Snapchat at Educate Us. That's all one word, Educate Us. They post snaps with the behind the scenes videos, inspiration to keep you going and motivated throughout the week. We are also on Instagram at Educate Us Podcast. Once again, that is Educate Us Podcast. There we do little previews, little highlights of the episode that came out this week. And if you're really, really nice and you've been really, really good, Paul just might curate some special, personalized, inspiring content for you. You can also follow us and like the page on Facebook. Simply by going to Facebook and typing in Educate Hustle. That's two words, Educate Hustle. You know you reached the right page because you'll see that show logo, as you guys all know and love. Now I got to take a break from that plugging to go into some more plugging. If you have not done so already, please rate and review the show on iTunes. It's such an easy thing to do. All you got to do is go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, the purple app on your phone, or if you have the program on your computer, type in Educate Hustle. That's two words, Educate Hustle. You'll see that show logo. Click it. Scroll down a little bit. It's going to say write a review. Then you want to put that five star, five star, five star, five star, five star, but I'm not telling you what to do. Review for us. And then you want to do the topic title and then the review summary and the review summary gives something short and sweet as it's lit or something long and deeper poetic as it's still lit we'll take any and all reviews we really hope that you guys do it because when you give us reviews that means the show awareness goes up which means you get more guests which means you get more shows which means you get even more hustle to add to your everyday life so if you have not done so already please rate and review us on itunes now let me get out of that plugin to go right back into plugging if you have not done so already please follow us on twitter at educator underscore hustle once again that is educator underscore hustle there we do tweet the inspiration you know things to help you really think about the episode coming up and that's probably one of the best ways to reach me and paul because it goes right to our phone and of course last but not least if you really feel like educator hustle changed your life gave you the holy ghost so you just want to be a guest on the show you just want to say what's up or how you or how we're doing you can send us an email at educate us podcast at gmail.com once again that is educate us podcast at gmail.com yes sir and as always man you gotta lead the people out on a good note so lead us out man people 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 learn from mike listen to mike he's definitely gave you a lot of gems i think it's really really easy to start your own business and not know where to go mike was in that whole scenario where he had a lot of hurdles but he overcame them all to get where he's at if you have a pride in your if you have pride and confidence in what you're delivering to the people it will definitely come to show and i guess the coolest and biggest thing you'll gain from mike is knowing that along the way he never gave up he never lost focus on what he had to do and you can all take that lesson to life regardless of what you your hustle is. Yes, sir. And as always, you got to stay educated and keep hustling.